think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 284 of Low Limit Football on this 31st of May, 2020. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Dirk Klassiker was a hard-fought battle, but it looks like Bayern Munich may have done just enough to secure the 2019-2020 Bundesliga title. We have official start dates in Italy and England. We're going to pass those along to you tonight, and Liga MX cancels their season. We're going to have a great chat with... With Mr. Tom Marshall from ESPN FC to discuss the ramifications of Liga Emeki's canceling their season. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Are you staying safe, my friend? I am staying safe, uh, Joe. Uh, thank you so much for introducing and, and you know he's caring as always. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, man. I mean, I think there are so many issues happening in the world. Um, obviously, here close to home, as you've seen over the last few days has gone up a notch you would say mm -hmm. but um you know we're not, we're not as much as you know obviously I, I want to advocate for those that are doing those kind of things and, and, and expressing their their freedom essentially and, and like saying what is, what is there on their mind i think it's it's always important to to also see i think from a football perspective uh some of the messages that we saw uh, particularly in the bundesliga over the last uh, i would say at the time of this recording Forty-eight hours. Mm, yeah, um, you know, obviously referring to Weston McKinney um, with, with his armband, but uh, the, the the rioting and, and protests that have been going on in this country obviously are starting to tear this country apart again at the seams, uh, which we've seen. And again, Rob, you and I, 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 I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think I can on this one that I think you and I absolutely agree that there's a right to protest. I think that the protests are warranted when they're peaceful. Um, but I think looting and, and, and destruction of property and violence and, and, you know, hurting other people is not the way to go to spread your message. Unfortunately, it has come to that in this country. Um, but, you know, I, I, we'd encourage everyone to just ma maintain their, a little bit of sanity. Um, you remember that we're all kind of in this together. And, and, and I don't want to lose sight of the message of, of what's going on as well. But 
you know, we just have to remember we're all human beings at the end and we all need to maintain that level of civility with each other, even though we can uh, protest and we can make examples of that. I think we need to make sure we we keep that in mind and, and we stay safe when we do that because passing messages along to dead people is no way to pass a message because the dead don't hear it. So um, we have to do this for each other, and and I think that's that's kind of you know our two cents on on what we're seeing in terms of the social discourse. And again, you know, Rob, we, we've talked about coronavirus here for months, right? And and unfortunately, like you and I were talking about before we started recording. Um, the fear is part of the fear is that a lot of the protesting you're seeing is, is being done without social distancing, without, um, protective gear, without any consideration to those things. And the worry is that maybe you don't die in a protest and hopefully you don't ever die in a protest. I think that's insane, but the, the explosion of a second wave of coronavirus could potentially be triggered by these mass protests of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in these large cities. And then we end up with another big problem. So, you know, I I think from the two of us, I would think we'd like to tell all our listeners to please remain safe. uh, Please remain sane. Please remain vigilant and consider not only your actions, but what your actions mean to other people when you do them, because we can only get through this together if we all maintain level cool heads. So um, couldn't agree more. So let's uh let let's get back to football. Let's get back to real stuff, right? Um, or the stuff we love talking about. And I'm going to start us off with a who am I? Another who am I? I thought last week we went to managers with Fabio Capello. Um, going away from managers, I'm going back to players on the pitch uh, this week, Rob. And this week's who am I is I've gone back to strikers. Okay, so my first clue to you, my friend, this retired striker. So he's no longer playing. Played okay. for eight different teams, scoring 210 goals in 497 matches over his club career and 65 goals in 105 matches for his national team. Quite the impressive striker that we're talking yeah. about, right? This is, this is a really impressive striker. This, yes. is, this, is, this is a well-known name. So okay. um, next clue coming up in, uh, in just a few minutes. So let's, uh, let's get to opening thoughts then. And opening thoughts today uh, is is finally the, you know, one of the main sagas. As we get into the summer, Rob, normally you and I would be knee-deep in transfer talk. But obviously with coronavirus, our, our world has been thrown upside down. We're talking about seasons starting, you know, and what I should mention that I wanted to pass along from the opening uh, monologue. The Serie A has come through and confirmed that the league will start on June 21st. The Premier League has a set date of June 17th to start back again. So uh, Coppa Italia is going to be played out before the June 21st first start of the city A or restart of the city ah so we have dates rob we um we can now get back to four of the five leagues uh one of the other things that we can mention uh in opening thoughts quickly leon has filed uh, a complaint i guess in courts to try and get the uh the french league to return we'll see how that goes but as it is we stand uh four of the five major leagues in europe will be kicking off back to regular matches behind closed doors by june 21st so there is some light at the end of the tunnel so but that is not our opening thoughts uh, topic. Our opening thoughts topic, like I said, would we would normally be in the middle of uh, transfer window talk. June first is normally the transfer window opening, uh, but we don't have anything really in stone in terms of transfer windows. However, we do have a transfer rob because this loan deal was set to expire uh, at the end of the day today, May thirty first, 
and it has now become official. PSG has reached a 45 million pound agreement with Inter to sign Mauro Icardi. So Mauro Icardi is going to PSG on a permanent basis. A couple things I want to talk about in regards to this because I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall and the only question was, was was Icardi going to go to PSG or was he going to go to Juventus because Juventus were in the mix and it's finally official that he will go to PSG. So I want to look at this actually from two standpoints, Rob, and I'd like your opinion on both. Uh, and I'm going to give them both to you. First, what does this mean for Edison Cavani? Okay, because now Cavani is, is certainly a man on an island at PSG. What happens to him? And two, something that we just saw breaking news from uh, from our friends at SemperInter.com and Niva, Nima Tavale, uh, also reported from Correa della Sera in Italy, is that Sandro Tonali has agreed to a four-year contract with Inter. Um, snubbing Juventus. Now, again, we've only seen this reported from Correa de la Sera at the moment. This is just breaking news uh, at about, uh, oh boy, about an hour ago. So where does this leave um, Edson Cavani? And does the does the Tonali thing actually happen and Juve lose out on him? Where do they go? Well, I think what it comes to Cavani, I believe his contract is ending essentially in, in- literally 30 days so you know it's been said that he is possibly going to leave PSG and and rightly so because I feel as if though there is no place for him um the big question will remain where he goes I mean there had been speculation of him going to La Liga there was even a rumor of him going to Boca Juniors out of all places but um yeah it'll be definitely interesting to see what happens to Edison Cavani because, uh, or, or even, you know, if he, if he even goes to Inter, because I, I think I see it like this, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm curious what you think. Because with this Icardi move, that's one less striker for, for Inter. But you have to realize, Inter also have another striker that could indeed leave in a few months. Um, and the, the name that we're obviously talking about is Lautaro Martinez, right. who is possibly heading to Barcelona. So... I think what we're going to really see a kind of a, a domino effect that we typically see is like, you know, when one player leaves and that means another player comes in, meaning another player will also leave. And, and rightly so, I think what's been curious about uh, Icardi is kind of his whole career as a whole. I mean, you really, at one point, you know, he was the capo Cagnanetti um, in Italy and, you know, he was regarded as one of the best strikers in the world. Now he, he was able to get ostracized and ever since Lukaku came in, um, Meaning that uh, Icardi had gone to PSG, where let's be fair, he's not done bad. I think he's had what twenty goals in thirty games in all competitions, so that's far from poor of, of Icardi. And and that's to say that we know how capable Mario Icardi is and his talent is. But I think um I think it would be interesting because I think Icardi finds a place where he's able to shine. I mean, you know, he's there with Kylian Mbappe, he's there with Neymar. If they're still there. So, you know, he could be the main man over there at PSG as a striker mm-hmm. alongside Mbappe. Um, I can't read it in too much of the Tonali one because it hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, so, unfortunately, I can't give you anything on that. But um, I think Inter really needs to, like, try to find that, that main striker because, you know, Lukaku, as great as he's been, he can't do everything on his own. And Lothado obviously provides that kind of... Of, of, of talent and, and capability of going forward, whereas Cavani, even though he is coming into one of the twilight of his career, I think he's 32, 
32, if I'm not mistaken. 30, 33. Okay, so, yeah, he's just he's maybe got a couple more years left in the engine. Maybe he can come in as, like, a super sub for them or something like that. So, it'll be interesting. But um, I think for both parties, it, it was... It was inevitable, I think. Um, I think Icardi was able to get the move that he wanted. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Inter and see what they can do with the um, with the money that now that they now get. Because I think what how much was it? It was like fifty million or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think that forty five million pounds, so about fifty million euro, and then it's another right. seven and million I, in add-ons on top of that. Cor- correct, <laughs> and I think the buyout clause for so hypothetically speaking. Mm-hmm. If they were to sell Lautaro yeah. to Barcelona, you're getting about 150 million in, right. um, in return, and that's great. They can do that, and I'm sure Antonio Conte is is conscious of how much that money can he can build with the, how much of a of a team he can build with that with that kind of money. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I think, um, but in terms of the Icardi move, I think it's a good party. For, I think it's good for all parties. Mm-hmm. I think one where Inter is kind of focusing on what they have and obviously showing that it works. And for PSG and at least for Icardi's sake, you know, he he could shine. And he's still young too. He's only twenty seven, so still in the prime of his career. He could kind of turn it around. I mean, obviously, we know how controversial not Icardi has become, but probably the people that he's involved with can be so let's just say Wanda Nara struck a good deal at this point for once yeah for once you know it's, it's going to be interesting also you know when you talk about all the personalities like Neymar like uh, Kylian Mbappe now you bring in Ma- uh, Mauro Icardi and of course Wanda Nara um, that comes along with it uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Thomas Tuchel handles that kind of you know, quote unquote distraction, because obviously that can, it's like a tinder fire. You can, that can go up in smoke in a matter of minutes, um, given all those personalities. So that's one thing that's going to be interesting to watch how those relationships play out as they, as they move on together on the flip side. Um, it seems to me, and I think if I remember the numbers, going back to the Tonali part of the question, if I remember correctly, the $50 million is roughly what Brescia was looking for for Sandro Tonali. So I think really what they've done here is they've traded the money for Icardi for Sandro Tonali, if that is confirmed. And it leaves Inter in a massively strong position because if, if the rumors are, are to be believed that Lautaro is going to go for um, for Barcelona for the $100 million plus uh, transfer fee that we're looking at you one of Inter's biggest problems this season was that they didn't they lacked depth after their after their starting 11 for the most part there wasn't a ton on the pitch and I think that has caused them to kind of fall back in this Serie A race because the other teams I mean again Lazio's had an incredible season I don't think anyone expected them to be this strong but Juve is so incredibly deep that they can field strong teams on multiple competitions and and succeed so i think what inter are looking at for the next step in their project is the fact that they need to rebuild the rest of the team and i think the money you're going to see from lautaro will go a long way in doing that and also like like you said rob with cavani that he's 32 uh he's also you know if you remember correctly he was also capo cannoniere in the Serie A. so i think a guy like Cavani comes back to Italy, possibly comes back to Inter on the cheap because he's not needed at PSG anymore. Now you have a stopgap for a couple of years with a guy that who's been massively successful in Italy. I think it's a huge move if Cavani does go to Inter as that stopgap if Lautaro goes. There's a lot of ifs there, but we are very early in this transfer window process. So I think there's a lot that can be done, a lot that can happen within the next 
um, I would say month to two months where money starts moving. You also have to look at the financial situations of these different teams, how many will be able to work with the numbers that they have, given that they've lost the, the viewership and given that they've lost the butts and seats in the stadiums and, and every, all the financial struggles that they've had because of this pandemic and what teams survive it and what teams don't. And I think that's going to be an interesting watch because I think there's going to be a massive effect on the transfer window this summer from that. But we are already starting to see puzzle pieces move and dominoes start to fall in this uh, summer transfer window, which we always love. So let me give you, Rob, the second uh, clue in the trivia question before we bring in Tom Marshall. Uh, the first clue that I gave you is this retired striker played for eight different teams, scoring 210 goals in 497 matches over his club career and 65 goals in 105 matches for his national team. The next clue, and I think with this one, you're probably going to get it, but I'm gonna, I tried to write it as vague as possible. He has the third most caps for his national team and leads them in goal scoring, having scored the first goal at the FIFA World Cup for his African nation in 2006. Okay. okay. You, you probably got him. So I, I think so. Yeah, so let's, uh, so let's table that. We'll come back to the third question in, uh, or the third clue in just a moment if we need it. Uh, so, Rob, you and I earlier in the week had the absolute pleasure of having Tom Marshall join us from ESPN FC to discuss Liga MX, the cancellation of their season, how this would affect MLS, how this would affect North American soccer in general. Uh, and I think we had a great, great conversation that was very, very enlightening. So without further ado, the Tom Marshall interview. Joining us now on Low Limit Football from ESPN FC, Mr. Tom Marshall. Tom, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you back again, and especially at this time where we see a lot of movement in Liga MX and a lot of movement in MLS, starting with uh, MLS canceling their All-Star game against Liga MX, canceling their League Cup competition, and the Campeones Cup uh, canceled as well. Then we move into Liga MX closing the 2020 Clausura or canceling it. I'd like to get where the latest is on that information and uh, uh, you know much of the information that you actually released yourself. No, yeah. Th- first of all, yeah, thanks for the, thanks for having me on and the invite. And um, yeah, it's almost like I don't know. It's it's been you know Liga MX has been suspended since what I think March 15th, but. There's been so much going on there. It's almost like we've not really had a break. So, so yeah, I mean, I think last week came the news that um, that the season had been cancelled. And really, in some ways, it's not a surprise. But in terms of what people within the Mexican game were saying when it was when it was suspended, I mean, everybody came out, the league came out, the clubs came out, and everybody was adamant that this, the Clausura season would be finished. And so it is kind of a bit of a about turn. Um, in terms of you know, in terms of what they said, because they said it's definitely going to be finished, even if the Apertura doesn't start till kind of September, we we have to finish this Clausura. It's really important for our finances, and 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 you know, basically, I think you know the the coronavirus situation in Mexico is is getting I think worse. Um, looking at the numbers, and I think that uh, you know, there's no there's basically no guarantee. They've not been able to set a date for a for a return, so I think it's time now they just decided to to kind of cut the losses and you know focus on on getting the apertura going if possible. Um, you know, mid July, I think that's what the what they're kind of aiming for now. And I'm only going to jump in onto that, uh, Tom. You know, because you know they had said that they're trying to get that apertura in uh, and get the players back on the field in early July, but um, you know 
the club owners had stated that you know the cancellation would really badly damage finances. Obviously, we're seeing also a lot of clubs deal with a lot of problems uh, off the pitch as well. And there was also a suggestion that um, kind of what we're kind of seeing in MLS, or at least the suggestion that we're going to see in MLS, is uh, relocating uh, basically all the teams into one specific city. Uh, city. Uh, can you um, elaborate on that and like what you personally think could indeed happen if everything goes to plan, of course? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 complicated because they, they've not released much, but but you know, Chivas came out with a plan basically to finish the Clausura, um, and they basically said, you know, we can finish it in Guadalajara. I mean, there's two stadiums in Guadalajara. There's not been as many coronavirus cases, and so I think you know they came up with that plan to kind of rescue the season. Um, but it also coincided last week with you know 15 members of Santos Laguna's um, staff testing positive and then that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin basically you know the season had to be had to be ended but yeah I mean you know looking at it now I think there's a meeting between Liga MX and the health authorities in the first week of June uh, Mexico's scheduled to kind of start opening up municipality by municipality um, from the first of June um, and I think that's going to be the kind of when they're going to set the dates for the for the Apertura tournament, and and basically they're going to hope that you know the the uh, the conditions are, are apt to be able to get back, like the Bundesliga or like Costa Rica. I mean, you know, I think they're coming out coming out with the, the protocol as well that they can follow. That you know that hopefully that teams will be able to um, adhere to, um, and I think that's that's going to be the key setting setting out exactly what the teams have to do because I think that um, you know you know. The, the Mexican league is is kind of it's it's not a centralized structure. It's kind of every club for for themselves. So it's it's often not easy to get everybody on the same page. And I think we've seen that as well with the, you know, with the promotion and relegation, which had kind of split vote. Not everybody was in favor of suspending that for six years. Uh, and even really with you know this move to Mazatlan. I mean, from Morelli Morelli going to Mazatlan. I mean. I don't think it's a very popular opinion for for a lot of people, but you know it seems to have just been been pushed through, really. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you mentioned about uh, Morelia moving to um, Mazatlan. I mean, you know that that's something that kind of has urged a, a huge debate and, and definitely urged a lot of protests as well. But um, yeah, if you could also elaborate on what's going on there, maybe for some people that don't understand the uh, the seriousness of this issue. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, there's been rumors for a while that Mazatlan wanted a team. Uh, Mazatlan's in in Sinaloa. Um, people might have heard of you know Dorados de Sinaloa in Culiacan, um, where Maradona was 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 coaching, I think for about twelve months. But basically, uh, the state government of Sinaloa built a new stadium in Mazatlan um, without having a team, and then. The rumors started that they were trying to they were trying to find a team to kind of buy out or at least attract to the stadium. So it looks like the owners of Morelia. There's been been rumors for quite a while that while not openly for sale, you know, it would be open to kind of you know if, if anybody wanted to kind of bid for it. Um, and basically, it looks like the owner the owners have been persuaded now to you know by by uh, by the proposition of moving to Mazatlan and 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 obviously there must be incentives. It's you know, like like in everything with Mexican football, it's not nothing's very open, and this isn't official yet. But you know, it looks like the state government is going to kind of do them a deal in terms of the stadium, and I'm sure there's going to be kind of uh, you know local or or even national investment, which is going to help the current owners, um, Grupo Azteca, kind of run the club because I think the I think the owners kind of wanted out; they, they'd already sold Atlas, 
um, about a year ago to to Grupo Alegre. So so yeah, but I mean for Morelli, it's you know it's a real shame. I think it's one of the you know one of the better known cities. Uh, Mexican cities outside of Mexico. Michoacan's one of Mexico's, you know, biggest and again most known states. And, and to leave the city without a team is just, you know, it's. I think it's gonna gonna. Um, I think it's Morelia, the team's seventieth birthday, coming up um, in early June. So it's just like you know, it's it's obviously a massive upheaval. And I don't know. I mean, this is a thing in Mexico. I don't know if the people in Mazatlan have carried out kind of market studies over about. You know how many fans they can expect about how it's all going to work, and you know that that's the kind of concern. It's like, is it just something that's just happening overnight, and they've not put the real research and the effort into it, or is it something that's been properly planned? And I mean, it's like anything with Mexican football; it's 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 tough to know, um, and there's always kind of question marks behind the scenes. Now, I know there's also another issue happening with another club, and you know that's uh, Vera Cruz. You know, I'm um, just looking at one of your tweets that you put in that there was a report. That the contract between Veracruz, the um, the FMF, and a, a surety bond company was designed to ensure against the disappearance of the club hadn't been renewed. So that is a that is an interesting case, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. I mean it's absolutely crazy. I mean it's basically you know the, so there's certain players that haven't been paid since like last March, um, you know, and and obviously the team was struggling. Um, you know, they eventually got dispatched from the from League MX. They got booted out, basically, of the league. Um, and they hadn't paid the wages for, for a long time. And so players actually, the FMF actually came in and said, look, if any players are owed money, come and see us. We'll we'll kind of look at the look at the controversy. We'll look at the case, and then we'll we'll decide. And and they decided. I know in certain cases in favour of the players that they, yes, they were owed money. They have a contract, but then the players have been waiting now since like you know for like six months to get the money. Um, and obviously, you know, I've had, I've had longer careers than others and some of them, you know, can, can kind of do without or at least survive, you know, without that without that money for a certain period of time. But there's other players that like the under-20s team who might make $1,000 a month or less or, you know, or, or even $500, $400 a month. Um, or, you know, there's 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 people on the coaching staff. There's people behind the scenes that also haven't been paid. So I don't know. It's just it's just a reminder that, and I think it fits into Mazatlan as well, where you've got government involvement because a lot of what happened at Veracruz happened because the state government, the municipal government, kind of changed hands. And I mean, you know, when that happened, it kind of pulled the rug from under the owner Fidel Curi. And um, and he basically left him without the finance that he needed to to, to sustain the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think like I said in my tweet, it's like if if the Mexican league wants to be this kind of advanced league and wants to talk a kind of you know a good game and you know wants to be a you know a leading world league or certainly in within the continent, um, it's got to it's got to sort itself out. It's got to sort out these issues. It can't. You can't be allowing players not to get paid for 12 months. It just looks absolutely terrible. And I know that there's another side to this, and and they'll say, you know, the owner didn't didn't kind of sign the papers and 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 all that. But it's basically, you know, really bad PR. And it's been, it's not been a good few months again for 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 the Liga MX with the you know the suspension suspension of promotion and relegation, um, you know, the the potential move from Morelia to Mazatlan and. 
I don't know. It just seems like right now there's there's so much up in the air. We don't know what the second division is going to look like. We think it's going to be a mainly under 23s division with kind of four or five overage players, but you know that's still to be kind of sorted out. And and in, in on paper that should be starting now in eight weeks as well. So I don't know. There's, there's so much going on and uh, little certainty, but certainly you know it, it's fair to say that. The cases like very proved they need to sort this out. They, they can't have these problems lingering if they actually want to move forward and be and be a top league. Hundred percent. And obviously, you know, as we see other teams try to fight their way to not go down, what we did see uh, just last month at Liga MX announced that uh, pro pro rel between the two top the top two flights are going to be suspended. I mean, that is incredible given how. Mexico has had this kind of unique way when it comes to promotion relegation and and for them to now go into this route and where even FIFA is asking them to make sure that the suspension is only temporary this cannot I this I do not see this going in in a positive light don't you think Tom yeah I mean it's it's really tough I mean you know if you if you lay out the argument beforehand and you you know you say an under 23s league where you can players and and you know I think the counter argument is that the second division wasn't really working anyways I think it went from 18 teams to 12 teams within three years um but again I mean my my big question with it all is have they planned this you know what I mean has there been studies done to to show that how this is going to affect the Mexican game how 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 it's going to affect investment how it's going to affect the uh you know the development of players I mean these are the things I mean they suspend promotion and relegation for six years and then they work out, and now they're working out what the league should look like. And it just seems the backwards way to go about it. It should be, they should have a plan, a blueprint of what they want to do and why they want to do it already kind of drawn up. And it just, again, it just appears that they haven't they haven't got that. But the only thing I would say, like I said, you know, in, in the favour is that the second division needed to change. And I think I wrote that it needed to go one of two ways. One is full promotion and relegation because, you know, a, a country the size of Mexico with the population and so many cities over the you know 500 600,000 people should easily be able to sustain two divisions um but obviously it's difficult to attract big investment into a second division if you know you, you, your promotion system is so restrictive because it's not just a it wasn't just a points per game system but league MX also introduced i think in 2017 2016 um, a certification system so basically saying okay the second division clubs there's 18 of you, only four of you can go up, or only 10 of you can go up. And and basically what happened in the end, none of them got the certificate. So it was basically like nobody could go up in the league. And so it just became a kind of lame duck league that, that kind of nobody nobody could go up. It wasn't really doing anything. So, um, But they need, they need to sort it out. And it's just, again, I'm not filled with confidence that, you know, they, 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 they've got this plan of what they want to do. And obviously the coronavirus situation doesn't help. Um, you know, I think ideally they'd like, you know, like the Chivas, the America, Pumas, Cruz Azul to kind of field teams in that second division as well. Um, and, and to, to, you know, for a collective rights deal, TV rights deal, and perhaps, you know, collective sponsorships as well. I think they've got some pretty good ideas, but it's just putting it all together. I think has been, it's been really difficult. And obviously, you know, FIFA have said basically, you know, it really, I don't think they can kind of demand it, but they've kind of, you know, strongly said to Mexico, look, you might have suspended it, but you can't really, you can't cancel it. It's not the right thing to do. So, 
so I don't know. And then you've got obviously the, the multi-team ownership, which is something that, that FIFA has also said um, they're not in favour of. So so I don't know. There's there's just so many issues going on right now in Mexico. It's sometimes, sometimes difficult to keep up, to be honest. Well, you know, Tom, I want to jump in here because I think this is a perfect lead-in for the one of the last things I wanted to ask you for. Um, with them suspending promotion relegation for six years, it almost the, the league almost models MLS. And there's always been talk of creating a super league between Liga MX and the MLS. And given where the finances are these days, it seems like there's a lot more money at the moment in MLS, although it's at the owner level, not at the player level. Could we potentially be seeing, um, especially given the, the effects of the coronavirus financially on the world, could we see a hastening of a combination of Liga MX and MLS, something that was kind of, I don't want to say preposterous, but something that was not really thought of previously, but now given the world's circumstances that maybe this is the way they're lining up to go? It's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, I think it's too soon to say, you know, to say that this is going to def- you know, provoke them getting like instantly closer. Um, and I say that because I think both leagues have got their own problems. They've got shorter term things that they need to kind of, they need solutions to quickly. I mean, Mexico needs to get back. They need to get back in July. They need to get things, you know, back on back on the track. Um, and MLS obviously is is obviously you know th- the same. But what I would say is that every move that make, the Liga MX are making, and in terms of the promotion relegation as well, every move that well, you know, a lot of the MLS is thinking as well. It has Liga MX in mind. They're both looking at each other, and they're both kind of playing playing. You know, they they, they want to get involved. They want to get further involved. And it's a, it's a shame to be honest. The league's cup has been has been cancelled because I think that was the kind of vehicle that they wanted to kind of test everything out on. And if the league cup did well, then you know that was going to be the kind of platform to, to to kind of more integration. But without the league's cup, I don't know. I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult one. It, potentially, you could argue as well that it's it's even more difficult to integrate now because. The league cup really was something that, that both leagues were looking at, and, and they were going to get numbers from it, and kind of get a, get to grips really with with the fan bases on both sides of the border as well, and how you know how how much impact it had this kind of you know interleague well play between the two leagues, and, and you know I think potentially it could have been interleague play after that where you play in those games, but there's actually points at stake for each of your leagues, um, and I think that would have kind of up the you know, up the interest as well from both sides because suddenly you'd have Club America not just playing Atlanta for, you know, a Leeds Cup semi-final or whatever, but, you know, for three points to, to, to kind of get in the playoffs or to, or to, um, or you, that counted towards Liga MX. So, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. I think it's in the both, in the back of the minds of both leagues, but honestly, right now, I just think they've both got, you know, more immediate priorities than, than kind of working a way of, of how they can integrate and, in the shorter term, but you know, I'm sure when they both get when when both leagues get back on the field, then it's uh, you know, I'm sure it's something they'll be again bringing up and talking about for sure. No doubt, Tom. Always a pleasure to have you on, and especially for this time of year and and everything that's gone on. And your knowledge has been fantastic. Thanks again for coming, and uh, looking forward to speaking with you again very soon. No, yeah, definitely. Thanks for thanks for the invite, and hope you guys and your listeners' families are, are all doing okay. Same here. Take care. Thank you. And special thanks again to Tom Marshall from ESPN FC for joining us on the show. Rob, let me give you a couple of matches to look forward to this week. We've got a couple of great matches in the Bundesliga coming up. Uh, as we mentioned in the monologue, 
currently Bayern Munich uh, sits seven points ahead of Borussia Dortmund and currently 11 points ahead of Borussia Mönchengladbach for the uh, title. It looks like that's over, but they do have a couple of tough matches coming up, as we've discussed before, one of them being this week. So on Friday, we're going to kick off the Bundesliga round 30 with Freiburg, Borussia Mönchengladbach at 2.30 p.m. And on Saturday, the big one is going to be Bayer Leverkusen and Kai Havertz going to take on Bayern Munich uh, Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. That is going to be our definitely our match of the week to, to look at. So um, let's get back to our trivia question, Rob, and uh, I will give you the first two clues quickly. The first one was yep. this retired striker. Played for eight different teams, scoring 210 goals in 497 matches over his club career and 65 goals in 105 matches for his national team. The second clue that I gave you was he has the third most caps for his national team and leads them in goal scoring, having scored the first goal at the FIFA World Cup for his African nation in 2006. Do you have a name for me, my friend? I do. Is it Didier Drogba? The third clue, this Ivory Coast legend scored almost half of his club goals, 104. At the English club he is synonymous with, he also ranks third all-time in goals scored uh, for the Montreal Impact, Didier Drogba. Uh, Great great, uh, answer there, my friend. I was shocked. Um, So looking at the Montreal Impact and, and their run of goals, uh, their their all time leader in goals is Ignacio Piatti at sixty six goals in one hundred and thirty five matches. Second place Marco Davio from Italy, uh, thirty four goals in seventy six matches. But Didier Drogba scored twenty one goals in thirty three matches. It's an insane, insane amount of goals comparatively to the other guys that were just ahead of him. Um, you know, and he did that. I want to say he was forty forty one years old when he was at um at the Montreal Impact. It's just an amazing performance. One of the all-time great strikers, certainly the the greatest Ivorian uh, to ever play. Many would argue that he is the greatest African to ever play world football. Um, Didier Drogba is the answer to the question. So without further ado, my friend, uh, I think we've gotten everything done on the docket. Let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 284 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Tom Marshall from ESPN FC for joining us. Next week, we're going to bring you more Bundesliga action. We will start to dig into Spain as they get ready to kick off their season and bring you another great trivia question. So, for episode 284 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.